We interrupt this program. We interrupt this program to bring you Vikings Ventline, the one show where you get to react to how the purple played right away. Right away. Call in now with your thoughts on the game. 651-646-8255. This is Vikings Ventline. Not as much movement. Not taking a conservative approach. They'll take their shots. Cousins. Here's a shot for a touchdown. Stefan Diggs. The Vikings make it look easy on the opening drive of the day. Cook and Ham in the backfield. It's Cook. Turns the corner. Delvin Cook. Touchdown. A change needed to be made at the offensive coordinator position. Made it. And so far it's working. Murray. Down the sideline for a touchdown. Well, that, that got a little dicey in the middle, Manny Hill. I'm Phil Mackey, and this is Vikings Vetline. Jonathan Harrison, Ross Brendel behind the scenes doing production work and taking your phone calls at 651-646-8255 and 877-615-1500. Started off with the crowning of of Kevin Stefanski, 200-yard first quarter, and then Kirk Cousins throws a pick six. It gets weird in the second quarter. In the third quarter, the offense wasn't really clicking. And then a barrage of sacks for the Vikings defense and the offense steps it up in the fourth quarter. So the final 41 to 17, uh, book ended by 21 to nothing and 17 to nothing first and fourth quarters by the Minnesota Vikings, and they still control their playoff destiny, Manny Hill. And Mike Zimmer gets his wish. This is what he has wanted. He's wanted this team to run the football a lot more, and they did that today. They ran the ball uh, 40 times. I mean, Kirk Cousins. Um, they had a couple of kneel downs, I think, there at the end that, you know, count as running plays, too, I guess. But, um, yeah, they ran the ball a lot. They ran the ball well, over 200 yards. And, um, you know, the passing game was there in good spots. It started out really well. And then, you know, they just sort of ran the ball a lot more in the second half to, to sort of keep Miami at bay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think. What we saw today was this is how Mike Zimmer wants them to win football games. They're going to run the football. They're going to play great defense, which they did today. And uh, it, it got them a win against a team that really probably took themselves out of the playoff comp- uh, conversation with this loss, Miami. But, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a decent team that they beat up on today. Uh, 40 rushing attempts for 220 yards. And Jonathan Harrison went bonkers because on yes, write that down on Friday, he predicted the Vikings would rush for 200 yards <laughs> against the Miami Tyler Dolphins. Tyler Conklin, so. thank you for jumping off, jumping off side. <laughs> or false start. Is that the highlight of your career to this point? Uh, I would say that or getting yelled at on Ventline, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> we, I, I'm guessing it's not going to be the venomous Ventline that it was last week or some of these primetime games because, hey, it's nice outside, and the Vikings just won 41-17. to But we will take your calls, even if you have positive things to say about the Vikings. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500, powered by Lucky's 13 Pubs. Also streaming live on YouTube, Periscope slash Twitter, and Facebook. So thank you to all you guys who are watching us, idiots in this radio studio. Let's, uh, let's start the show with... Not possibly, with definitely the uh, the most talked about caller from last week, Dylan in Portland. Have you calmed down since last week, Dylan? Are, are you? We're glad to hear that you're at least okay, and uh, you've called back to the show. Yeah, 
Yeah, everything's fine. Uh, I apologize about my behavior, but man, no, don't apologize. So it was great. Wrong. No, your behavior, your behavior right helps emotion. helps make the show awesome. So you can you can exhibit whatever behavior you'd like to, Dylan. Go ahead. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, no, this this was a, such a balanced game in both parts. Uh, attempts and. That's what happens when we run the ball and when our offense isn't so predictable, like when D. Flipple was calling the plays. Um, I think we might have a chance at maybe doing something if our defense plays this good. I think we had like nine sacks that game, so we really showed out on both ends of the ball. And I mean, I'm happy. I, I, no screaming. I did lose my voice, and uh, my wife told me that. If I do call in any more, then I have to do it in the car. So I am in the car right now. Okay. Uh, driving? Are you pulled over, or are you are you driving right now? Just in the driveway, in the car, in the driveway. I'm all pulled over, but yeah, it was it was not good. I woke the baby. It was uh, yeah. I was in the doghouse for uh, for a night or two after that call last week. Yeah, you went. I think I think like 150,000 people consumed your call on social media this last week. You were you were one of the most famous callers in Ventline history. Man, I love I love this show and I love what you guys do. So just keep up the good work. Thanks so much for taking this call, Dylan. Thank you, man. I was a little worried that maybe he was in his car last week and inside a closed garage. I gotta but say that, that didn't happen. That's <laughs> a rather ballsy decision to make that call last week when you have a baby sleeping in the house and you know you're that angry. That's a ballsy decision. I give him props for that. Yeah, well, he said he spent the week in the doghouse, so guessing that this might be his first human contact. He, he felt the repercussions of, uh, <laughs> of his call yeah. last week, that's for sure. Uh, let's go to Ben in Florida. Ben, what's going on, man? You're on Ventline. Oh, uh, nothing much, guys. One of the first few Viking games I was able to see down here in uh, Florida because the Dolphins are playing. But I, um, I will say this about um, Kevin Stefanski. I thought he was pretty good today. He I, they were on pace to score like 60 points the first quarter. I didn't think they were going to get to that mark. They went away from some things that worked in the middle of the game, and they actually went back to it. I think that's what I like the most about him is that when something wasn't working, he went back to what was working. Um, the game got tight there in the end, but that's why you have the defense to slam the door shut on anybody, to slam the door shut to prevent a team from maybe taking the lead there. But first game with, first game with the new OC, very good. I think they'll beat Detroit next week, probably lock up a playoff spot, and hey, you never know once you get in, right? Yeah, well, that's that's the thing, Ben. Thank you for the phone call, and we have a couple open phone lines if you guys want to grab them. It's 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Manny, I told you guys on the Mackey and Judd show this week, if you put the Vikings' peak defensive performance together with what they can do offensively, mm-hmm. it's if, if you combine those two things for a month, it's a team that's back in the mix to do something in the playoffs. I said they're back in the mix to maybe win the Super Bowl, not that they're favorites. Uh, but it, the first quarter and the fourth quarter where the offense was clicking, you had the defense making Ryan Tannehill's life miserable. Nine sacks for 71 yards, minus 71 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, a different, it's a different feel when they're putting those two things together at the same time. It is. I will say that, and in the grand scheme, it didn't really ended up not mattering because the Vikings won by almost four touchdowns and and everything. But the pick six, yeah, like that. That's the kind of stuff. Like if this team is going to go on a run, that's the kind of stuff that can't happen. You go to New Orleans, and 
you throw a pick six like that, you're done. You're done because you can't against against the New Orleans Saints or the L.A. Rams or even on the road in Chicago. You you got to play a flawless football game because if you if you have mistakes like that that cost you seven points that give the other team seven points, you're just going to make it more and more difficult for you uh, to even advance. So I think this team I think this team has the talent to go on a run, but the the mistakes like that you just can't you just can't afford to have. Clayton on line uh, three here. What's going on, Clayton? Hey, what's going on, guys? Love the show. Hey, uh, just wanted to talk about the game today. Um, I, I don't know where that was all season, but it felt like a breath of fresh air in the first quarter and the fourth quarter. Uh, the middle of the game kind of got dicey, uh, basically what you guys were just talking about with that pick six. Um, you know, they, they, they kind of control their own destiny to get in the playoffs, but as far as them going on a Super Bowl run, I don't see that happening. Um, they, they played a first play, a first place um, schedule this year, and for them to end up, you know, even eight and eight, well, they wouldn't be eight and eight because they have a tie. But you know, to finishing somewhat around five hundred, I, I say that's a win with all the new pieces they brought in and the um, the lack or the inability of addressing the offensive line, which is their biggest downfall in this entire team. Um, I just don't see. You know, getting in the playoffs, I guess, is a, is a win, first and foremost. You already lost the division today with Chicago winning, um, so that's out the window. So if you can get in the playoffs, maybe make a little bit of a run. But, I mean, seeing these guys go all the way, just with the the inefficiencies that they've been showing all season, um, I, I hate to be negative Nancy after a win, but at the same point, you kind of have to uh, temper your expectations for this team. There's a lot of new new changes. And Kirk Cousins is not a great quarterback. He's a good quarterback, but he's not a great quarterback. He still has problems. And until they find a way to mitigate that during the game, um, that's going to hamper this team's progressiveness. I just yeah. want to get your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, Clayton, thanks for the phone call. Manny, I mean, I, I, the, the biggest problem I had with John DeFilippo's play calling and the way that he structured just game-to-game game and offense was they treated Kirk Cousins like a great quarterback. Mm-hmm. The, the ratio of pass to run was more of what you would see if Tom Brady was your quarterback or if Aaron Rodgers was your quarterback. And today, if you're wondering, what was the main rift between Mike Zimmer and John Filippo? Ratio, ratio, ratio. Because going into the game, it was a 2-1 to one pass to run ratio for the Vikings this season. Mm-hmm. Today, it was 2-1 to one the other way. It was 40 rushes and 21 pass attempts. And some of that's yeah. dictated by game flow. You get a 21 nothing lead early, you hand off the ball. Uh, you're you're leading in the second half, so you're you're gonna run the ball when you're leading, especially once you get up by two touchdowns, three touchdowns. But you can't treat Kirk. I, I get that he's being paid like a top quarterback, but you can't treat him like a top quarterback, and that's the main reason why John D. Filippo got fired. You have to, especially in the case of Kirk Cousins, you have to call plays and run an offense that will play to the strengths of your quarterback. And with Kirk Cousins, it's play action. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL with play action. Get him out, you know, have him roll out, do some West Coast stuff, bootlegs, get him get him moving. He's pretty good at, at when he can get outside of the pocket. He's pretty good. He's been pretty good at that. And when you utilize that and utilize the play action, that's when you can have success. 
And that's I think that's what got John DeFilippo fired is that they just weren't doing enough of that. They weren't doing a lot of play action. They weren't doing a lot of bootleg stuff. You saw it in the Green Bay game a couple of weeks ago when they actually did that. They played pretty well offensively. They weren't great, but they played much better than they had been playing. And I think Kevin Stefanski realizes that. And I think it's, I mean, we saw the results today. Yeah. The main, the main comment that Mike Zimmer made that really struck me during the, 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 the week leading up to this Miami game was how he thinks Kirk Cousins, now that DeFilippo's gone and Stefanski's in, that Cousins is going to have more input or he's going to feel like he can have more input. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very telling for two reasons. Number one, if you're John DeFilippo, why are you not getting input from your starting quarterback? But also, number two, if you're the starting quarterback, why are you not demanding that your input is heard too? So I'd love to know more about that dynamic. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe there'll be a thirty for thirty about it someday. Probably probably <laughs> not. But the t- the ten games of John D. Filippo and then his head coaching career got pushed back a decade because of it. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Vikings event line is powered by Lucky's Thirteen Pubs, five metro locations, and you can go online at Lucky's Thirteen Pub dot com to uh, take a look at some of the best appetizers in the Twin Cities. Uh, it's Sunday, fun day, happy hour. You can watch football all day long every Sunday. Lucky's 13. Let's go to Jake in Mankato. You're on with Manny Hill and Phil Mackey. It's Ventline, Jake. Hey, guys. Uh, obviously, being from Mankato, I'm a huge Adam Thielen fan, and it just seems like over the last three games, he just hasn't really been a factor. And I'm just wondering what your guys' opinion on is on that and why that might be the case. Yeah, it's weird because they won 41-17, to but you're still wondering why is Adam Thielen only catching two passes for 19 yards? Is it he's he's more banged up than we know? He was only targeted twice too. Yeah, are teams just doing a lot defensively to take him out of the equation? I think it's a little bit of both. I think teams are trying to take him out of out of the game plan, so to speak. But also, we're I mean, we saw last week in Seattle. Cousins just missed him. There were two, I mean, two glaring plays where they just, Cousins just flat out missed him. The, the backwards pass that he threw to Latavius Murray, yeah. Thielen was wide open. The fourth and goal or fourth down near the goal line where he threw in a double coverage uh, on Kyle Rudolph, Thielen was open on that play too. And then, of course, we heard Thielen express his thoughts on that over the uh, boom mic of <laughs> Monday Night Football. There all bleep at night. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's a little bit of both in that teams are trying to take him out of games because he's, I mean, statistically, he's been the best receiver on the team. I mean, you can have an argument over him and Diggs if you want. Um, and and I also think there there are times where Cousins just doesn't doesn't see him. I I mean, I, I would want to look back at, at the tape from today's game to see if there was any of that in the case. But, yeah, I mean, it is it is pretty weird how he has pretty much cooled down over the last month or so. Yeah, and he's still, because of his first eight games, he's going to wind up at least threatening to break the Vikings' all-time catch record that Chris Carter set with, what was it, 122 back in the mid-90s? Well, he's got... I don't know if this is updated or not, but he had a hundred. I think he had 103 going into today, so he's okay. got 105 now. Okay, so he's he'd have to go crazy in these last couple games to, yeah. to beat Chris Carter, which was kind of unfathomable when he was eight games into the season. He thought, is he going to catch 140? Yeah, 140. He was on pace for 153, I yeah. think, at one point. Yeah. Uh, some people are pointing out too in the Periscope chat, and this is this is something that Sage Rosenfels has been talking about on the Purple Podcast all year long, is that. Stefanski put Kirk Cousins 
under center a lot more frequently in this game. And a couple of people pointing out here in the chat that he just looks uncomfortable in shotgun compared to other quarterbacks. And that, I think, just in general, getting his input, okay, wh- where are you comfortable? Where are you not comfortable? That's a coaching 101 lesson right there. Mm-hmm. And actually putting him in spots where he's more comfortable. And if he's more comfortable under center, which might be a little bit odd in today's NFL because a lot of quarterbacks come from pistol and shotgun offenses and spread offenses in college. And if Kirk Cousins is more of a traditional guy and feels comfortable under center, then as an offensive coordinator, why would you demand that he... That was the Teddy Bridgewater thing five years ago. Mm-hmm. Teddy Bridgewater was comfortable in shotgun. Yeah. And yet he's sitting under center because all Adrian Peterson likes to line up seven yards behind the line of scrimmage. And yeah. so if, the 32 year old running Teddy, back, we've got to, we got to build our offense around the 32 year old running back. Right. Make yeah. your quarterback comfortable first and then figure out the rest of the pieces. Six, five, one, six, four, six, eight, two, five, five. Let's go to a fellow Phil, Phil in Plymouth. What's going on? <laughs> Hey guys, uh, I don't know the NFL rules, but can we refuse as Vikings to play any game that's not noon on Sunday for now on? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I feel, I feel so much better when the game's at noon. But uh, I had two questions for you guys. Last caller took one of them. It was about Thielen. I'm a huge Thielen fan, like all Vikings fans, but I do feel like he's been a little more emotional, uh, a little more like hot tempered uh, the last like month or so. And I, I wonder if it's just like frustration. But it seems to me that. When he was just calm, that's like when the production came. I don't know if that has any correlation, but uh, I want to know if you guys feel like his drawing has increased. He's getting a little more uh, maybe cocky. He's earned cockiness, but maybe a little cocky. My second observation is just that uh, I think Holden Hill has been fantastic. Uh, Really happy that he stepped up with the Hughes injury. Um, I know that we have Mike Hughes coming back. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander's improved. Um, Xavier Rhodes is still a top corner, maybe a little past uh, his precipice. But um, and we have Trey Wayne. So, just what do you guys kind of see into the off season of what our secondary will look like next year? Um, and then I just want to end, like always, with uh, my PJ Fleck uh, mocking slogans. It was a tough week for Minnesota sports. Uh, the Wolves are a bummer. Can't win a road game. Wild loss. But good thing the Vikings won today. Cheer us all up. So go, go, Sky Uma, roll the boat. Go, Vikings. Go, this is baseball. Go, Wild. All right. All eyes north. <laughs> I hope I hope he rattled those all off off the top of his head. Yeah. Hyperculture? Did he squeeze a, a hyperculture in there somewhere? I you know so. I, why Adam Thielen's been chippy? Probably because someone showed him the list of wide receiver salaries uh, ranked at some point the last once once he got done with those first eight games somebody must have slid him a sheet of paper with the 30 wide receivers who make more money than he does including guys like Torrey Smith uh Sam Roberts for the Raiders makes more money than Adam Thielen who is Sam Roberts Danny Amendola makes 2 million dollars more Corey Davis who, speaking of P.J. Fleck, is a Western Michigan guy. Yeah, that's right. On a rookie contract, makes more money than Adam Thielen. Tavon Austin, uh, Fossil, Michael Crabtree, Muhammad Sanu. Like, there's, if I'm Adam Thielen and I go through those first eight games, I'm probably a little bit salty, too, just looking at the rankings of receiver salaries. I wonder if he, I wonder if somebody told him that Rondé Barber said that he wasn't impressive athletically, too, about a month and a half ago. Yeah. <laughs> That might, that might have gotten Adam kind of fired up too. A little I bit. like fired up Adam Thielen. I think yeah, it's hilarious. I mean, he's super chippy. He was he was John at somebody. I don't know if it was Minka Fitzpatrick or somebody. He made a great catch on the sidelines and got up and like got in the guy's face and was John back at him. And he's been uh, John with Bill Belichick, yeah. Minka Fitzpatrick. He's uh, his own offensive coordinator and 
quarterback. He's showing some personality, man. It's uh, it's been it's been fun to see. Let's go to uh, our guy Bob in Pennsylvania. Bob, you're on Ventline. Hey, what's up, Mackie? What's going on, dude? All right, big win today. Happy about that. Uh, one request that Randy from Cottage Grove and Randy from Oakland start calling back up. I haven't heard them in a while. I miss those guys. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, realistic thing? Randy in Oakland, who we want him to call here today, but. Uh, you can now, as of last week, find his his YouTube videos. You can find them on the 1500 ESPN YouTube page. Really? Weekly, yes. Wow, i got to check it out. Stepping his game up, yeah. All right. Uh, get back to the game. Get up 21 nothing. I like how they threw the ball more on first down to get rid of uh, those two ugly words that have been going on all year. The predictability of the Vikings offense and the uncertainty of Kirk Cousins. And I think that was the case because with the friction between B. Filippo and Mike Zimmer could have crushed the hardest, most valuable diamond in the world. And that's gone now. So we're over that. And you saw today that even though the Dolphins got back in the game and Cousins threw that pick six, which by the way, you know, if it's not there, Kirk, just throw in the ground. If it's not there, make the read, throw in the ground. He made a bad read. Let the Dolphins get back in the game. But I like the fact that when it was still a close game and Dolphins were still in it, you know, we threw the ball down the field. We reestablished the passing game. And if this team is going to go anywhere, I think the entire world knows that it's a matter of whether or not Kirk Cousins can make a big play. And that's what I look forward to against Detroit. I don't know if the Bears game is going to matter, but we need to win both games to get into the playoffs. And if we get into the playoffs, Kirk, I wish you the best of luck. That's all I can say. Bob in Pennsylvania with a mic drop. Dropping the knowledge. Uh, Do you think it's actually now that the Bears have won the division. I mean, it's, it's it's bad from the Vikings' perspective that they can't win the division, so it's bad that the Bears won today in that light. But is it also maybe good that that game in two weeks, if it matters for the Vikings, might not matter nearly as much for the Bears? Well, it was funny. Me and, me and Ross were actually off the air joking about this this morning that you could potentially, we, we could potentially be watching that game and the game not matter for either team. Yeah. You know, cuz the Bears the Bears obviously have the division wrapped up already and if Dallas loses today then the Bears would probably be in a good position to get uh to get the number 3 seed locked up. So then you get to week 17 and the Vikings may already may or may not already have a playoff spot locked up and then if you have that game then like neither team has Anything to play for might start looking like a like a preseason game where we'll see some Trevor Simeon and Rock Thomas and you know the the Bears might put Chase Daniel out there and and things like that. So I don't know. I mean it. I think it would work in the Vikings' favor if they're still fighting for a playoff spot uh, for the Bears to already have the division wrapped up because then the Bears are resting guys and things like that. But it could. I mean the Vikings take care of business next week against Detroit. That that week seventeen game for either team might not matter at yeah. all. And uh, the other good news for the Vikings: so a 
they won, so that's good news. But B, two of the teams that they are trying to fend off here in the wild card standings, the Eagles play on the road. That's tonight. The Eagles play the Rams. So that's a really tough spot for the Eagles without Carson Wentz, by the way. And then tomorrow night, the Panthers, who've lost every game over the past month, they play the Saints. It's a home game for the Panthers. But uh, it's the Vikings have the advantage here of, of some of their opponents have really, really, or some of the teams they're fighting with in the standings have a really, really tough sled with, with scheduling. Uh, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Lucky's 13 Pubs powering Vikings vent line. Steve and Excelsior. Hey, Steve. Hey, Phil. You helping Fleck and his D.C. prepare for this Paul Johnson triple option, my friend? Uh, listen, I, I'm in the consulting rooms, and uh, and I think if they win by enough, it counts as two, which gets them to eight wins on the season, Steve. So I'd be very excited about that. There you go. The five-win Phil moniker I had to put away, I guess, this year. Seven-win hey, Phil. Uh, yes. Viking-wise, I mean, there are teams you should beat, teams you can beat, and teams you shouldn't. This was definitely in a team that you should beat, non-playoff, you know, mediocre team. The question going forward is, I mean, I, I sense this is a – Flip Saunders one and done playoff scenario if they do make the playoffs. Uh, so next year, are the Bears going to get any worse? I doubt it. The Rams, you know, maybe Drew Brees retires for the Saints. I don't know, but I doubt it. Uh, so what are they going to do to improve themselves? Obviously, the offensive line would, would, would be one uh, target uh, to get past Bears, Saints, Rams, whoever else. I, I'm, I barely pay attention to the NFL much, but I, I know just enough that. They've got some obstacles ahead of them. This year, I'm not saying it's done, but I don't see them you know, getting to the dance. So what are they going to do uh, related personnel-wise, and who do you trust to do that? Steve, thank you for, uh, for the call. Let's start with the Bears, because the Bear, there's a lot to unpack with, mm-hmm. with uh, just the different stuff Steve threw out there. Are you buying the Bears as long-term sustainable, that, that, that they've arrived, and Mitch Trubisky is their long-term quarterback, or is it just another classic pop-up Bears season with a great defense and uh, and then reality strikes the next year, which has pretty much been who the Bears... That's that's the Bears in my lifetime. They pop up yeah. for one year and then they go back down and then it takes them five years, find a new quarterback, etc. Well, I think defensively, as long as they've got 52, I think they're going to be formidable. As far as improvement, I don't know because they did give up a lot for Khalil Mack. And so they're not going to have the first round picks and the the other picks and everything to sort of keep the roster to continue to like build the roster through the draft over the next couple of years. And they're paying Khalil Mack a lot of money. And the other thing with them too is Mitch Trubisky. Is Mitch Trubisky going to get better? Because they're obviously this year they've been good enough to get into the playoffs, win the division and all of that. But you know, they're going to need to get better in order to really be a serious Super Bowl contender, and that's going to hinge on continuing to build the roster, which not having enough draft picks, that might be tougher, and Mitch Trubisky getting better. Is he going to get better? I'm still not a, a real believer yet. I need to see more out of him. Um, so I think that's going to be a big a big question mark for them. The Saints, Drew Brees could retire, especially if they win the Super Bowl this year. I could see a scenario where Drew Brees says, yeah, well, that's it. I'm done. Yeah, Yeah, I think... Yeah, the Drew Brees dynamic, that changes everything. It's kind of like when the Denver Broncos won their Super Bowl and Peyton Manning had gone over the cliff a little bit that season Mm -hmm. because Osweiler, didn't Osweiler start like five games for the Broncos that year? But 
Peyton Manning says goodbye, and then it's just a couple of good wide receivers and some decent defensive players, but no quarterback, and now they're back to 500 after. So, yeah, the Saints, if Drew Brees decides that that's it, the Saints all of a sudden, I don't, I don't think they become irrelevant, but they're no longer a powerhouse. I'm not buying Mitch Trubisky as this top echelon quarterback. I'm I, th- out of here. I think he's just a guy. And so, you know, if, if, if I'm right and you're right that he's just a guy, what can the Bears really do? The Bears are the Bears are going to have a solid defense. I don't think you're going to transfer the best defense in the NFL year after year after year. It's, it's really hard to do that. Two or three years, you keep guys together, but then contracts start to pop up and injuries and age and all those things. Yeah. So if if Mitch Trubisky is just a guy, the Bears have maybe a two year window to cash in with this defense. So I don't know. I'm the Bears have always been the same old. The Bears are who we thought they were mm-hmm. with. Every single incarnation of, of their roster, it seems like. Chansey and Fargo, you're on Ventline. Yeah, hey, guys. Sorry if it's a little noisy here. I'm in the parking ramp uh, just leaving U.S. Bank Stadium. But So here's my thoughts, just like the running train for a Vikings fan. We're at the game, and it's 21 nothing. Well, first they take the kickoff, and I'm just saying, just don't go three and out, please, all right? I've seen that enough. 21 nothing. It can't get any better, right? When it's 21-17, I'm texting other people in the stadium saying, if they blow this game, Mike Zimmer, I'm good with him being fired, right? You lose to an average team at home, 21-0 with the lead, and you need the game, I'm okay with it. Obviously, that doesn't happen, and now I look like an idiot because nine sacks and Zimmer looks like a genius, and here we go. But my thought is my biggest concern, terrible interception by Cousins. He throws the pick six. We all see that. What happens when they do that? All of a sudden, it seems like it's like, oh, is Psyche damaged? Let's go a quarter with checkdowns and predictable runs. It's really tiring to watch. If he's an elite quarterback, you just bounce back from that. I want to see a deep throw the next possession. I don't want to see, well, let's protect him and play it safe for a quarter. God darn it, let's go. But he's, you know, but he's not an elite quarterback. He's just well, not. Yeah. Well, I agree with you. But when we talked in the offseason, Phil, you say, hey, everybody was on board with replacing Case Keenum with Kirk Cousins. Why? I... <laughs> He was an upgrade. That's what everybody was saying. He was an yeah. upgrade. He ain't much of an upgrade. I'll tell you that. We're splitting hairs. I said that last week on Ventline. There's not much of an upgrade if you're saying, well, he's just a guy. He's just a guy. So is Keenum. They're both just a guy. Whatever then. I mean, that was a foolish move. They haven't got any better because of that. In fact, last year's team went 13-3. and Now we're struggling to get in the playoffs. I'm not saying it's all in the quarterback, but we can't say that Cousins was a big upgrade or Keenum if, this is, if you're just going to say this is a guy. Come on. So thank you for the phone call, Chansey. And 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Here's the, now, now that we've sort of been able to survey Kirk Cousins, and I, I just want to pull up to make sure I'm right on this with Case Keenum. Uh, Case Keenum, didn't he throw three picks or was it two last night? It was two last night he Probably. threw. Probably, yeah. Um, I feel like the floor is a lot lower for Case Keenum and that Case Keenum derails games more often than Kirk Cousins does. And Kirk Cousins has a higher upside. When when Kirk Cousins is clicking on all cylinders, he's like 350 yards, multiple games in a row, and a bunch of touchdowns, and kind of a front-running quarterback, and that when he gets to prime time and the chips are on the table, he tends to wilt. So is the gap that wide between the two of them? Probably not as wide as you wanted it to be when you signed Kirk Cousins, but I still think there's a gap there, and I think mm-hmm. you were more hedging against the downside of Case Keenum and the fact that that dude was a journeyman backup for five years, had a career season, 
do you want to gamble that he reached a new level? And the Vikings said, no, we'd rather take a guy that we we know at least that Kirk Cousins is going to be available. He's not going to be a disaster. And that they were hedging against the downside of Case Keenum. I have no problem, even now that we've surveyed the worst of Kirk Cousins, I have no problem looking back on that move. They had they they had to do something that that was a little bit more stable at that position. Yeah, and I think you also have to ask yourself if let's say they decided to run it back with Case Keenum again and re upped on him and gave him like a two year deal, like what the Broncos got. I think the Broncos gave him a two year deal, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say they they bring back Case Keenum, give him a two year deal, and let's say they draft a quarterback or something because they still don't really view Case as the long term answer. But you know we'll just keep the continuity going and everything. Well, you still got a new coordinator, and who knows? I mean, if if John D. Filippo and Kirk Cousins had problems, I mean, could you imagine if Case Keenum was the quarterback and John D. Filippo's trying to? sort of impose his system onto Case Keenum. I mean, so you have that, and you, I think you have to ask yourself, too, you look back at some of the games earlier in the season, and you have to ask yourself, okay, would the results of those games have been different if Case Keenum were the quarterback? I look at Week 2 at Lambeau, the game that was a tie. Kirk, The only reason why that game was a tie Part of it was because of a bad call on on uh, Clay Matthews on a rough in the passer. But the only reason why the Vikings got back into that game and forced a tie was because Kirk Cousins threw them back into that game. And I've long felt that can Case Keenum be that guy where if you're down 21 to 7 in the fourth quarter, can Case Keenum, can you just Put the put the put the ball game into the arms of Case Keenum and just say, hey, throw us back into this game. Now, Kirk Cousins is not a guy that you want to rely on to to be that guy every week for you, but I think he's he's much more capable of that than Case Keenum. And I think that's part of the reason why they moved on from Case and went and got Kirk Cousins because he was the best quarterback on the market. They needed to upgrade at the quarterback position because I think they felt like We've got to have, we can't rely on our defense being number one across the board. Yeah. And so we got to have a guy that's that's a little bit better and that can, if we fall down, that can throw us back into a game if we need him to. Yeah. I th- The only viable argument for Case Keenum is the salary cap argument. That, right. That you could have spent $10 million less to bring Case Keenum back. And I and again, I I think Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback. I think there's a, there's a considerable gap between Kirk Cousins and Case Keenum. And as a couple people are pointing out in the Periscope chat, Pat Shermer was one of the best offensive oh. coordinators in the NFL last year. And so, yeah. so for for Keenum to sort of ride with Pat Shermer's brilliance, pulling the strings uh, from week to week and just in game too, that's that's one of those variables that we just don't know. If you had Pat Shermer with Kirk Cousins, would Kirk Cousins be different and better? The Vikings just fired their offensive coordinator. So yeah. think about that. Think about how much dissonance there was. I'm not saying that they, those guys were arguing and butting heads, but just dissonance in terms of they fired a dude mid-season because he couldn't figure out how to mesh offensively with the, the pieces and the and the, the puzzle pieces and also the main figurehead, the quarterback. So the opposite was Pat Shermer, who was so good mm-hmm. crafting and working with all the different weapons that he got a head coaching job with the New York Giants the very next offseason. And, and I'll... I'll... Remake this point again because Collars made this point several times. When you look back at Kirk Cousins' best season in Washington, Sean McVay was his offensive coordinator. Yeah. 
And Sean McVay is one of the best offensive minds, if not the best, in the NFL right now. So, I mean, that's that's part of it. So maybe, yeah, if, if Pat Shermer were still the coordinator here, would we be seeing a different Kirk Cousins? Would Kirk Cousins be playing better than than what he has been? As, would he be a little bit more consistent, you know, on a, from a positive standpoint instead of making some of these boneheaded bad throws that, end up being returned for touchdowns. Yeah. 651-646-8255. John in Minneapolis, you're on Vikings Ventline, powered by Lucky's 13 Pubs. Yes, just an addendum to your Bears talk. I think they start next year with an advantage for no other reason than they play the Chargers and the Chiefs at home, and we play them on the road. Just just a comment. Thanks. Yeah. Well, that's schedules definitely make a huge difference when, as the Vikings found out this season, you get... A first place schedule, and whether it's home or away, it definitely includes better teams. And then mm-hmm. you're kind of rolling the dice on on home versus road. So the Bears, that's one thing. That I, but I would say this too: the Bears, yes, you just cherry pick the first two games of the season comparing the Vikings and Bears schedule. But the Bears schedule next year compared to this year is going to be a lot tougher too. They're going to play the Rams, right? They're going to play the Saints. Probably have to play the Cowboys. Yep. So the Bears are going to have a tougher schedule next year. Will and St. Paul. Hey, uh, so going back to the Keenum-Cousins argument, um, Case Keenum last year kind of reminded me of Delman Young and Carl Pavano in 2010. You know, they both played out of their minds. It wasn't sustainable. And Cousins is not an elite quarterback, and I don't think he's ever going to be. But if you look, you know, the past three seasons, he's been fairly consistent. And I'd rather know what I'm getting from my quarterback than have a quarterback who's had one good year and then had, you know, six or seven irrelevant years you know at least you know what you're getting and also um when you talk about the money last year between bridgewater bradford and keenum we're honestly paying close to the same amount of money we're paying our quarterbacks this year it's just going to one guy instead of three guys so you're not spending that much more money but you know what you're getting and when you have a defense as good as the vikings i'd rather not have any question marks at quarterback i'd rather know what i'm getting even if that's not going to be the best or elite I'd rather just know what I have at quarterback because my defense is so good. Yeah, and I just one more log on the Case Keenum fire here too. Because I, I don't know where all this Case Keenum stuff is coming from. Like, I, for some reason, we've decided now that it was a mistake that the Vikings made a mistake by not bringing Case Keenum back. Okay, look at how he's performing in Denver right now. Right, he threw two picks last night and and opened the door for the Browns to maybe make the playoffs. But he ranks right now. I'm going to stay away from the total yardage stuff, which he doesn't rank well in either, because mm-hmm. a lot of that can be skewed, as we've seen with Kirk Cousins. You throw some passes in the fourth quarter. Uh, he, uh, Case Keenum is 25th in completion percentage. He's 28th in QBR, which is quarterback rating within the context of, of game flow. And yards per pass attempt, he ranks 27th. So that's like that's the regret that you have? Not everyone listening and watching, I get it, but I mean, I don't. Where? Okay, so they made a grave mistake by not getting the twenty seventh best quarterback in the league back under contract. And yeah, Kirk Cousins isn't exactly top five, but he's not twenty seventh. Well, what were they supposed to do? I mean, let's be real here. What the hell were they supposed to do? Just run it back with Case Keenum again, and then I guess you could make the argument. Oh, we'll run it back with Case Keenum again, and then draft a quarterback with your first round pick. But it's like, who are you going to draft? Yeah. You know, and then 
here's the thing. You're you're talking about a team that was on the doorstep of the Super Bowl last year. So there you have to think about what the mindset and the mentality is going into that offseason was we were a game away from going to the Super Bowl and now we've got to find a way, we got to do something to get us over that hump. And not think about, well, you know, we should just bring back the same guy that, you know, got got blown out in the NFC Championship game and then we'll just draft a quarterback because we know, even though we know Case Keenum really isn't that good, we'll just run it back with him and just run it back with the same the same group that we had last year. I mean, you have to try and get your, make yourself better. Now, I will say this. To that point, when you go and get Kirk Cousins, and Judd has made this point several times, you have to, when, when your big prize move of the offseason is going to give a quarterback $84 million, you've got to construct everything else you do after that for the rest of that offseason needs to be to try and make it as easy as possible for him to have success. And where they whiffed dramatically on that was by not drafting an offensive lineman, an interior offensive lineman that could be in and helping Kirk Cousins with pass protection and being able to run the football a little bit more consistently and things like that. I might argue too. So what did they wind up giving Sheldon Richardson? Was it $8 million? Or it was something? 10. 10. So it was a decent chunk of change and again, yeah. it's a one year contract. So they, they didn't lock in long term, but was there an offensive lineman out there? Was there an interior guy? Was there a left guard? Was there somebody out there that you could have locked into a two year contract for mm-hmm. eight or $10 million in free agency instead of going for another defensive tackle? Um, but then if you don't get Sheldon Richardson, and plug him in at defensive tackle. Tom Johnson, who's back, but at the time, Tom Johnson had gone away to mm-hmm. Seattle. Yep. Would your defense have suffered through a couple games in which you won? And they might want to think about uh, trying to get Sheldon Richardson locked up long-term because he's been he's been fantastic for them this year. How old was he, 29? 28, 29, I think. Okay. Defensive tackles can play sometimes until they're 35, though, right? They're just, yeah. Those, those Kevin Williams who, did. Yeah. Pat Williams was probably 34 years old. Uh, Let's squeeze in a quick break here. Thank you to those of you who are streaming us on YouTube and Periscope, Twitter, and Facebook, and all of you listening on uh, any of our audio platforms. It's Vikings Vent Line, powered by Lucky's 13. Uh, You can uh, can leave comments in the comment sections on any of these video streaming platforms, or you can call 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Manny Hill, where do you like to watch football on Sunday? When you're not in studio, well, when I'm not here, uh, a great spot to go is Lucky Thir- Lucky's Thirteen Pubs. Uh, they're the best spot in the Twin Cities to catch a game. Uh, as the Vikings are going on this run for the playoffs, they've got tons of TVs. They've got these legendary appetizers. Uh, they've got those amazing half pound burgers, the fresh half pound burgers. I've had them before. They're fantastic. They've got the great handcrafted sandwiches. Lots of uh, lots of uh, other several pub. Uh, favorites. The drink menu is fantastic. Great selection of tap beer, handcrafted cocktails, the best Bloody Marys in town. These bloodies are fantastic. You can find the blo- the uh, bacon bloody, the jalapeno but bloody, the Mother Mary, or uh, you know what? You can grab a flight and uh, sample them all. Plus, Lucky's, uh, they celebrate Sunday fun day where it's happy hour all day long on Sunday, every Sunday. And uh, if you have people in your life, you've got the holidays coming up. If people aren't really, people in your life aren't really into football, you can bring them the Luckies anyway. They have a great environment, lots of decorations and everything, uh, depending on the season. So they go all out with that. Five Twin Cities locations, Bloomington, Burnsville, Mendota, Plymouth, and Roseville. 
you're having people over for a holiday party around this time of year, you can call ahead to Lucky's and order some of those great apps, and they'll be ready for you uh, when you go up to Lucky's and pick them up. Find them online at Lucky's13Pub.com, Lucky's13Pub.com. The show solely devoted to your reaction on the game. Vikings Vent Line now continues. Cook and Ham in the backfield. It's Cook. Turns the corner. Delvin Cook. Touchdown. A change needed to be made at the offensive coordinator position. Made it. And so far it's working. Murray. Down the sideline for a touchdown. Delvin Cook has had a big day. 115 yards and a touchdown. He can add to the number here. A beautiful spin move. And Cook takes it to the outside. Oh, what an effort. Delvin Cook. Touchdown, Vikings. Cook and Ham is definitely the best backfield for... For uh, meat and potatoes guys like us. Uh, Vikings vent line. Just one quick wrap-up segment here because we've got a really good football game on ESPN Radio that we're going to dive into here. Is it 7-7 seven to seven right now, Steelers and Patriots? Yep, 7-7 seven, seven right now, still the first quarter. Cool. Uh, so, uh, Lucky 13 powers Vikings vent line every single week. You can find five metro locations. The website has them all. Lucky's13pub.com. luckys 13 pub. Dot com and uh, yeah, pe- people like people watching on the live video stream like that uh, they can hear Jonathan talking down the line to us. <laughs> he actually early in the season wasn't aware that he was talking down the line, and I don't know if you said anything inappropriate, but <laughs> why don't you say something down the line so the give us like an inside radio thing here that people can hear down the line things that the producer says. Uh, well, we got to get to the break or the end of the show here in probably about two minutes or so. <laughs> Okay, there it is. See, that's the type of stuff. (laughs) Radio listeners like, what is happening right now? Total on-air production meeting here. (laughs) Um, All right, what are your final thoughts here? Uh, Vikings, two games left in the regular season here. There's not a whole lot to be accomplished. You can't win the division. You You just have to get to the sixth seed, basically, and take your chances Win three games on the road, and it's easy easy uh, as that to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, just go and take care of business next week against a Detroit Lions team that just isn't any good and has a coach that's in over his head. And just take care of business, solidify a playoff spot, and, uh, you know, and maybe, you know, you get to week 17, you've got the playoff spot locked up already, and you can rest guys and just let some of the, let of the, let some of the bumps and bruises of uh, late in the season sort of heal up. And, you know, hopefully that game against Chicago in Week 17 doesn't mean much for either team, and, and the Vikings can get healthy and give themselves a chance to play the play play at full strength against the Bears uh, in the first round of the playoffs. So that's kind of what I'm looking at now. I mean, you took care of business today against a, a, a very mediocre team. Um, and, you know, just continue that into next week. You've discovered a winning formula. Now it's running the football and playing really good defense. Let that translate to to the road against Detroit next week, and uh, you should be okay. One totally random observation, and I know he dropped a pass last week, or or maybe it was against the Patriots, and I kind of wrote him off for like five minutes, but Tyler Conklin mm-hmm. is a really interesting weapon. He's big, Kinda he's like strong, Tyler he's Conklin. fast. He's good in the red area. That's yeah. what Belichick would say about him. Uh, good in the red area. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that's a wrap for this edition of Vikings Vent Line. Manny Hill, Phil Mackey, 
You can find Purple Podcast later on tonight with Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgat on 1500ESPN.com. Ross Brendel and Jonathan Harrison producing behind the scenes. Mackie and Judd tomorrow, 3 o'clock until 6 o'clock. Plenty more Vikings discussion. And if you missed any Vikings event line, find it on demand via podcast, via the Purple Podcast feed. Or just go back, watch the video on YouTube, Facebook, or uh, Twitter, 1500ESPN on all of those. See you guys. Patriots, Steelers next. Gold Vikings, let's win this game. Gold Vikings, honor your name. Go get that first down, then get a touchdown. Rock'em, suck'em, fight.